I'm Whitney. I'm Mindy. And I'm Deb. We're three best friends who love nerdy things. Well, some people think we're nerdy, but we think we're pretty awesome. This is our nerdiest thing. Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to Our Nerdiest Thing. Today, we are discussing Jennifer L. Armentrout's A Soul of Ash and Blood, Part 1, which is chapters present 1 through present 4. Before we get into it, Deb, will you please share our nerdiest cocktail? Do you think Hawk and Castile called their dongs a present? <laughs> I, would, I definitely think they think it's a gift. I'm going to go ahead and say that before I started reading, when she was posting, JLA was posting the teasers with the names of the chapters, I didn't, I didn't realize that she was using the word present, like present in time. I literally thought there was a chapter that About was titled a present. Yeah, like, a pre- like a birthday present. And then I felt real dumb. <laughs> well, I, it's like the dick in the box. Yes. Yes. 100%. Okay. So this cocktail is called... I should really be sober for this. And it's themed after learning more about Cass's struggle after being freed. And it pairs well with primal stasis, inner freakouts, and talking to your father for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Aperol, Prosecco, tonic water, and some other goodies in there. Yeah. Recipe all, on our Instagram page. Yeah. All stuff that you should probably be sober for, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, primal stasis. But I'm going to be drunk for it. <laughs> yeah. Primal stasis. I think I don't want to be sober for that. Yeah. Will you spin the wheel, O names? I will. And while it's spinning, it's a new season. So we've got new rules for our recap. For this nerdy and dirty recap, we're going to have 60 seconds to give 10 facts or a top 10 quotes about what we read for this week. So whoever gets randomly chosen has one minute to share their top 10. And Mindy... Who is it this week? It's Deb. It's Deb. It's Deb. Okay. All right. Let me I'm, get my minute I'm timer good, going. Because I need to have a little bit more confidence <laughs> juice. Hold on. Deb, mm. Deb, 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 Deb. Chug, 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 chug. All right. I'm All right. Ready? ready? I'm ready. Yeah, Set yeah. and okay. go. Okay. So we open with Hawk on the Rise. He's dealing with some sort of douchebag captain, but then he gives a soldier dignity and death. Number two, Hawk has some presumptions about the maiden. Ma- maiden. Number three, Victor gives Hawk a premonition. Number four, Hawk and Poppy hook up at the Red Pearl. Ooh la la. Number five, we meet Emil and Hawk feeds from him. Number six, Hawk has been following Poppy and saves her from a vampire attack. Number seven, Hawk jerks off and we find out that he harms, <laughs> he gives himself help, self-harm and pain is a soothing mechanism. Number eight, Melissa and Rylan both die and Jericho loses a hand. Number nine, the Ascended are turning babies into Craven. Number ten, Hawk eavesdrops on Poppy and Tawny and then goes to torture a vampire for information. The end. Very nice. nice. You still have 17 seconds to spare. What? I'm pretty proud nice. of myself. <laughs> no, um, making me only do ten actually really helps. <laughs> I'm like, and and then, and then, no, and then. <laughs> oh my god, I love. Okay, dear listeners, if you've never watched "Dude, Where's My Car?" Go One ahead of the classics. Yeah, it really it's got to be on the AFI Top 100, right? Dude, dude, where's my car? <laughs> Have you all seen the the meme going around? And it's like a bookstore, and it's all like romance novels. And it's like, dude, where's my shirt? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Seen that. That's a lot of cover model it's actually quite nice to look you know pectoral muscles quite exciting when we do less than the low country they're gonna have cover models there i know i know i'm excited to see 
if they're just like everyday dudes or if they're kind of douchey or if they're <laughs> I mean I hope just, they're not they're shy because I, I feel like a, a lot of those people are actually pretty shy yeah so we'll see and I I don't want women to completely objectify them either, that's what you know? I was just that's about to say I'm about. afraid that it's going to be like supernatural cons when right. the, Jared the titties and come out <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> every, yeah. every time we do uh, con pictures you would go into the room where they were taking pictures with Jared and Jensen and it would just be like tits galore it's booby time <laughs> Tits galore. What would you call it? I call it tits galore. You call it booby time. What do you call it, Mindy? I've never had to think about this. Uh, you know, I Ample know, I, bosom mountain. I just call it. Uh, no, I can't be. I can't. That's just rude. <laughs> okay. Mindy's going to be nice. I am today. I'm going to be nice. Will you please do our nerdiest vocabulary? I will. So I am just going to start out by saying I've decided that JLA's editor might not be using the correct guides to spell out things phonetically. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> that is, that's a hot take. Can, it is I, a very can hot I interject take. something here? Because yeah. I almost posted something on Instagram. Again, Nictos is different in this book than a lot of the them audio are. than mm-hmm. the previous books. Like, why can't it just be the same every single time? It's back to Nictos again. I uh, yeah. almost texted you guys, but then I didn't want to text anything about the book before I knew that <laughs> you had both finished it. But I saw that pronunciation guide before I started reading, and I was just like, listen, that is like three pages, four pages of mm-hmm. pronunciation. Like, no, that's too many pages. Well, I'm not going to go over all of them, but I did pick praise, up, praise be. <laughs> I did pick out the most egregious offenders. Uh, and there are more like that, that like you were talking about Deb, where they were pronounced differently before I, I go over a couple of them, but stop it. I'm going to first start out with Delano. She says in this that it's pronounced Delano. No, that's and I not said, correct. Della, no. no. <laughs> No. It is Delano. Delano. I don't care. Yeah, Delano. That's how. It's like, again, mm. it just I'm not sure. Domino, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder if this whoever's doing this is not up to snuff on the correct phonetic spellings. Anyway, I, I'm just going to throw that out there. That's weird. The other one that bothered me was it's supposed to be Emil instead of Emil. Again, in the audiobook, it's a meal. I've always pronounced I've it. I've always. Emil in my head. Oh, emil? really? Mm-hmm. I've always been a meal. Yeah. He can't be as cocky as he is to be an email. <laughs> email. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's well, got that's one we'll have to some heat. You know agree. What I mean? <laughs> no, I'm saying. Disagree <laughs> on that one. Uh, this one was another interesting one. So, Princess Analia, right? Uh-huh. Right? Analia. No, Analia. Analia. That's how I always pronounce really? it. Really? Yeah. See, well, I mean, it does sound more I like. I want to preface that Whitney, to me. Or Mindy started this saying, someone does not know how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's Whitney. Whitney doesn't know how to pronounce <laughs> Well, no, you're not looking. You're, I don't know. You're not looking at the phonetics. Well, also don't work for JLA and True. whoever, whoever's True. doing these. Well, whoever does, they are, they so. are changing their, their minds. Okay. This one, what's Miss Willa's name? Wilhelmina. What's her last name? Collins. No, it's Collins. No, you can't it, name somebody after a body part like it that. It is Collins. <laughs> you can't. Especially <laughs> someone who has, has three ways. <laughs> That's not sexy. I'm Wilhelmina Collins. Yeah, I, I, I strongly disagree, <laughs> I disagree with that. Yeah. But it is exactly, that is what, it's K-O-H-L. 
L Y N Z. That's their can minute. the audiobook narrator and the person who wrote this guide just sit down together? That's what right? I, yeah, they have to be working like completely separate. Although you know, in this book, they used just the guy narrator, which I was disappointed mm. with. So. Steena Nielsen, we like you. I will say though, and I think it might be the different narrators. I guess the different narrators apparently narrate or say things differently. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I, I in my research on this, some of them be like, "Well, someone said it this way," and then the next narrator said it this way. So see, it's never it should be constant. the author saying, "This is my exactly. character's name, and this is how you say it." Like you should not have creative license to, to just yeah to change for name we, pronunciations except for us. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's one thing to read it in your own head because, you know, yeah. I don't listen to audiobooks yeah. hardly ever. Right. So I see the word and in my head I decide, well, it must be this yeah. right. Emil. That's fine. If I'm wrong, that's totally fine. Yeah. But I also don't work for the author again. Yes. You know what I mean? And you're not like, putting a pronunciation guide in the right. beginning. Of, yes, exactly. Like, JLA needs to sit down with all the people and be like, this is how you say it. <laughs> this and then is that's making it. my stomach hurt. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't like this. Well, I'm not going to make it any better when I talk about the place names. Like, don't even get me started. So, so we've got, and this is how I say them, right? Carcedonia, Macedonia, uh-huh. and Padonia. Padonia? It's, it's another, it's a oh. lesser one. I'm like, who is Padonia? <laughs> Do you mean These Patagonia? Are, this is, it's, a, it's place names. So, Carcedonia. No. Right? Wrong. No, there's an I at the end. I know. Yeah. I know. Macedonia. No. And Padonia. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. I mean, Again, Padonia is right. Right? That's not how it's said in the audio. Book. Right. I'm just going to keep going back to but this how, because why right. have audiobook if things aren't going to be pronounced? How is D O N I A pronounced three different ways? That's what all I'm saying. I mean, I would blame the English language because we roll like that, but <laughs> this is not this the is English, not English language. language. I will tell you, all this reminds me of is, uh, Whitney, you were in choir. Did you have to, ever have to uh, sing, Dona, no beast? It was a I did. Yes. No beast, pa gem, pa gem. Uh, that was like, beautiful. Was, no, it was not. <laughs> But if you want me to do the soprano of the next part where you vibrato <laughs> down, I can. Yeah, now that's all I'm going to think of when I think. And you know those ascended like that kind of shitty music, I'm too. I'm sure they do, yeah. They probably make all the they made that song do up. that. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? Those girls aren't chosen. We're going to make them sing it in choir. And they're going to be bored out of their fucking minds. <laughs> so just a few more. Did we really need to have the pronunciation of Western Pass? <laughs> Legit, it's well, says, apparently we do because they pronounce everything so crazy. Like, are you sure it's not Westonia Pass? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm waiting for but literally the, the translation or the phonetic spelling is W E S T dash T E R N space P A S S. Like, that's not I like, do we really do that? Thank you. Yeah. I'm waiting for them to put Kieran in there, like, Kayar, um, <laughs> no, it's, of, it's like, Kieran. <laughs> it is actually Kieran. <laughs> 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 Side note. Eries isn't even in there. Oh, you mm. know what? I you know what I noticed though. Are you sure he's not under the eyes? He's not. Oh, okay. Because I could have swore in previous books he was spelled with an E. Am I incorrect in that? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I think it's I R E. It's been oh. I R E S. Well, and you know, I I tend to listen more than I read, so maybe I just imagine. I think that. it's maybe. always. I think it's, I think it's always, always been, been the same. I, but but apparently, he just doesn't. He doesn't warrant being in there at all. But oh, yeah, Western just, past does. He's just you know been a caged animal for years, and his he's only Potty's father. dad. Yeah, no big whatever. Deal. Yeah, 
Um, and Millie's dad. So he's here's, only the impetus of the beginning of this book. Sure. So here's the one that, that changed for me. And it's actually for the better. Remember when we did a, the a Light in the Flame bonus episode? Of course. And I called out the many wrong <laughs> pronunciations. <laughs> so I had done a bit n- our nerdies vocabulary on. And it was the D-A-K-K-I-A-I-S. The Well, remember it was Diaki. Mm-hmm. That's how it was supposedly oh, yeah. pronounced. I forgot about that. I, I've drowned it out. This one is <laughs> right. This one is much improved, but very different. It's it's Dekai, which I can get on board with. I like mm-hmm. Dekai better, but Dekai I can I, better than Diaki. Yeah. So it's day, an, yeah. It sounds day, like a day, it sounds like a goddess. Like a Dekai. No, Dekai. Diaki. Diaki. Yeah. No, it's Daikai. Yeah. Sounds like Dekai. a Dekai. cocktail. Dekai. Yeah. Can I have a Daikai on the rocks, mm. please? Thank you. <laughs> so Thank anyway, you. that was an improvement, but like very different. Like, yeah. Just decided to change their mind. It is kind of insane that there's not consistency with this. Like, I don't know. Maybe the universe is too big in the in these books. Like maybe the bulletin board that looks like they're tracking a serial killer to keep track of all this it's stuff is too wild. Somebody spilled some coffee on it or something. Right. Like <laughs> it is it is crazy a to pin me dropped that the string got messed up. Yeah, that the this varies so much. Yeah. Like from pronunciation guide to pronunciation it's guide, so from odd. narrator to narrator. Like it's weird. I feel like maybe they're just shitting with us at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, how they have their they're like everybody's up in arms about this. How can we fuck with <laughs> how them they some have more? their, their yeah. good times? But uh, last one, apparently the Caillou wolves are supposed to be pronounced the Kiyu wolves. I did, I did know that. Yeah. From audio books. I don't, I don't know if I like it. It kind of sounds like P-U. <laughs> like they're stinky. So, I mean, it's not, it's not super <laughs> offensive, but it's just not how I, I pronounced it. I will give a shout out to our man, Luddy, for making it into the... Uh, <laughs> Like, I feel like Luddy gets talked more. Oh, you haven't gotten. We're not on that episode yet. But Luddy gets talked about more in this book than any and other. It, like, why is he so prevalent in this book? Because she gave him a name and God damn it, she's going to use it. That's right, I guess yeah. those other two guys. Yeah. Fuck them. I thought that was interesting that Eries doesn't get a, a call out, but Luddy does. Mm-hmm. And Rolf, actually. <sighs> Rolf. Rolf. I'm going to kick him in the face. What a dumb dumb. Well, that's okay because Poppy cuts off his arm. Well, yeah, that's this true. is true. Yay. This is true. Go, Poppy! All right, that—that's enough our nerdy vocabulary for tonight. I think today it was more like Mindy's rant. I think it was zone. <laughs> plus Deborah and Whitney rant. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> it was our nerdy, our nerdiest rant. It yes, was everybody. I like that. Thank you for that. For that, Mindy. So let's start off talking about our favorite moment from what we read this week from A Soul of Ash and Blood. Should I go first? Yes. My favorite moment was feeding from email. I just love him. He's so funny. The banter is funny. I really liked learning that that's what Hawk was doing when he left the Red Pearl. Like if it was something any less important than that, he probably wouldn't have left. Right. But he had to feed. I really enjoyed learning that detail. I liked uh, him seeing the memory of uh, Vanetta and giving that look to email and email being like, shut up, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Be cool, man. Yeah, I don't want Karen to know about this. I just really enjoyed that a lot. I found it very entertaining. I talk about that a little bit later in our episode because that was one of my favorite moments, but it wasn't my favorite moment. Yeah. So can I go? Sure. Can I go? go? Okay. So I really enjoyed when Hawk eavesdropped on Poppy and Tawny after he becomes her guard. 
the reason I loved it so much is I can only imagine how cute he looked while he was like pacing in front of her door and then stopping to push his ear against it. Like, can't you envision him doing that? Like trying to be all cool. And then he's like, I got to put my ear up against it. (laughs) And I keep wondering what would have happened if Victor had showed up and saw that like Hawk had pitched a tent. Yeah. (laughs) How awkward would it be if I was (laughs) rocking a boner? (laughs) And I think right now too, I really adored watching Hawk fall in love with Tawny at the same time. He really starts to adore her. I knew I liked her. Right. And then he's like, no, I don't. And he's like, wait, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, I liked that a lot too. What about you, Mindy? I, well, I I feel really bad because I could not decide. There's too I had, many. To there are a from. lot. So I actually have four, but they're very short. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite moments. But here's the funny part about it: because I'm the word nerd, they all they they have category. Like my category has categories, and they all start with S. <laughs> Subcategories. Yes, the subcategories <laughs> of S. Yes, alliteration. So the first one is the sinister one, Ooh. and that's when Castiel toys with and then kills that ascended that followed Poppy because of the whole touch and touch her and die vibe. Yeah. I loved that. The second one was the sexy one. And that was Castile jerking off in the tub. Cause <laughs> come on. I, I talk about that later. Too. <laughs> I do too. I, I think I, I still talk about that. I later. don't, I didn't like it. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Okay. Uh, the sweet moment is when Castile buys food for the two orphan kids. I just really love oh, yeah. seeing that side of him, which we really honestly don't get very much of no. in either or any of the books. And then the silly one was when email fucks with Cass and says to tell Poppy she has his everlasting devotion when she wakes up. <laughs> and he winks, right? He says that and yeah. he like winks before like he's he leaves. totally messing with them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny. I enjoy him a lot. Can I go ahead and say what my least favorite moment was? Cause this like, it his... must be the tub. <laughs> No, it's it's not. But oh, okay. actually, it, it is it, it is part of the reason I don't like the tub. So, my Fair least enough. favorite moment is learning that some of Hawk's physical scars come from his own internal battles. Mm. Because we were earlier set up to assume that all the little cuts and nicks on his body were from his time with the Ascended when he was prisoner. So we find out that the only way that he knows how to cope with his trauma and like the stress of saving his kingdom was to hurt himself. And it really displays how much Castile needs those around him to help him save him from himself all the time. And during this time he has no one really. I mean, he has the dissenters and he has Kieran sometimes. I was just about to say like those around him is really just Kieran because he says, you know, Kieran is the only one who even knows that, like how much he really struggles. We're supposed to assume even as we get later into the series that Poppy doesn't know that he ever knows that he ever did that. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I hope he's not continuing to do it, but that's not really a self soothing mechanism that you just stop doing either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that it really stuck with me because it shows how hard he is on himself and that he yeah, still has some trauma to work through. That was mine too, actually. Um, I just found it really hard to read just because the mental stress and the physical things that he had to do to forget what had happened to him. Like he had sex with anyone and everyone just to prove to himself that he controlled who touched him. Yeah. And then the self harm to get rid of all that, like pressure build up. Like I to feel numb. Yeah. I just, it just, I don't know. It just really breaks my heart to see somebody get that, I would get mind, to that wall. I would not mind helping him feel better. <laughs> I could be one of those meaningless sexual exploits. I, I mean, I'd be okay had. with that too. Right. Just, just use me, Castile. Do whatever you want to me, except for butt stuff. Don't do that. <laughs> Exit well, only. I mean, we know he's into that. So, um, he, not 
all, just with fingers. <laughs> well, only with, from what we've seen with just Poppy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, he said he did anything and everything. He's done all manner right. of all things manner of with all manner of people. Yeah. Well, you do you, boo. <laughs> but for me, that ride is closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of thought maybe one of you guys would pick the same thing that I picked for the least favorite. Well, movie. I had another one. So I'm oh, gonna see if okay. It's a, I'm no, sorry. It's okay. No, it's, I'm going to see if it's the same one because I think it probably is. Well, my least favorite moment was the baby Craven. Me too. Was yep. that your yep. other one? Yep. Yeah. Baby, baby Craven. I thought that was <laughs> baby Craven. I know. Saying it like that kind of sounds like silly, but that chapter was really, really rough. And that's that another one of those things. Read. Well, and that's another one of those things that like, I don't, we don't have any evidence that Poppy knows anything about that happening. And for me, that experience of seeing these other dissenters see that, you know, and the the way that happens is an ascended comes and feeds on the baby and leaves the baby to turn into a craven. And then the the baby craven turns the parents. Right. And so for me reading that really makes me feel a lot more empathetic toward the dissenters and Jericho even and Rolf and those people that attacked Poppy. They see all these horrific things that they connect her with and they blame her for that. They think that she knows about and is fine with and doesn't do anything about it. Like, I very much understand them. I feel like a lot better. And Poppy still doesn't know those kinds of horrific things. And I feel like she should. I mean, it's just not going to change anything at this point in the story. But I think it would help her understand why people still have a lot of distrust of her. Yeah, it definitely made you remember who the bad guys were here. And that's the Ascended. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can definitely see where that would compound and make people turn obviously and so like you got to remember that the real villain here is the ascended oh yeah always yeah. and without question yeah. right like nobody is really a hundred percent i don't want to say pure because that's not what i mean but like everybody has yeah, every, yeah everybody has their guilty conscience and their things they shouldn't have done and and actions that they probably wish they had done differently but by and large the ascended are worse than anybody well, because- you know poppy and the dissenters they're they're ignorant of the real what's what's real and they send a no and so they know better i think that's what that's the line that kind of demarcates it well and i i personally had a huge revelation as i was reading this because when you think about how they feel about the ascended they don't think that they have souls and so it never occurred to me that castile might be torturing vampire for information on the maiden so it makes more sense now knowing what we know about all of these horrific things that we've seen but one thing that really gets me is knowing that he was tortured for 50 years makes me wonder how he can stomach hurting anyone for information because it's kind of they were used they were hurting him for information sometimes right so i don't understand how it's not a trigger for him and does he use what he learned from the ascended on the ascended i mean maybe but maybe not because i feel like the ascended and atlanteans have different pain points you know what i mean like different different um I mean, I guess pain points is the best way to say that. Different things would be very motivating to an Atlantean that wouldn't matter at all to an Ascended, right? Same thing with like mortals versus Ascended. So maybe not. But I also think that he's just really good at compartmentalizing. He's able to see all Ascended at this point. But he's not because he has to hurt himself to get rid of all of it. Well, that's true. But at this point, at least, he looks at every single Ascended as you are you are a horrible person. You are on the same level as Queen Ileana and Jalara. Like all of you know the same amount of information. All of you have the same motivations. All of you do the same horrible things. So I can treat all of 
of you as if I were attacking Ileana. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and you also got to think, too, the type of torture that Castile went through was very personal. They were taking his blood. They were sexualizing him. It was all very, like, personal, like, private things that you can do to someone. And they're just pumping for information. And they're being assholes about it. And then they're killing them, of course, which is not great. But, um... (laughs) It's never good to murder, dear you know, listeners. Like, don't, don't, don't murder, friends. I'm, I'm sorry. We have to say that out loud. Yeah, I know, right? right. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's how he can differentiate because yeah. he was being tortured on such a personal level. And for him, it's not it's not personal. He's, I mean, it's personal for his mission, but it is but kind of different? just business yeah. at this point. Yeah. yeah. yeah what was true. your biggest revelation, Mindy? So mine... <laughs> It's not a huge revelation, but I just never considered that when Poppy left the Red Pearl and was like walking around at night, that there the ascended come out at night and they could have actually like really hurt her and killed yeah. her because they wouldn't know who she was. It I never just, thought about that either. It never occurred to me that they not even that she would be discovered which i kind of thought about but that she would be hunted Mm -hmm. and so that was that was huge for me to think wow she's not safe yeah out there at all she was taking a huge risk well we know that no one knows what she looks like so she's just another meal yeah essentially if she's sneaking out at night and if they're in bloodlust they're not gonna it doesn't matter it did make me curious too you know we see in that one scene that you're referring to that Hawk is protecting her from a distance, right? But it makes me wonder if other people at different points may have been protecting her from a distance. Oh, also. maybe, yeah. You know, because it is right because she lucky. was watching out for her before. Then that's she what was I'm saying. Yeah. Out all the time, like right. that can't have been the first maybe, time that one of them saw her. Maybe that's like a fate thing, or maybe like protection of the gods or something. I don't know. But that, yeah. um, like, is that the only time that and anybody's the ever are like, oh, her? Hawks here, we can battle. <laughs> yeah, we can <laughs> we can relax Good. a little Let's bit. Go have a drink. <laughs> Well, my biggest revelation has all caps and two question marks. The truth about Shay. (laughs) Uh, Kieran is there and says or asks Castile, does she know the truth about Shay? And I was like, excuse me. And so I did a deep dive about Shay and there are so many inconsistencies to all of the Shay stuff that I have never noticed before. And I am really excited to well, share with you guys. I'm gl- really glad you're doing this because I asked, do we know what happened to Shay? Because well, I don't we remember. Not. We do. So yeah. what we have been told is that Shay was engaged to Castile. Castile uh, gets captured. He's in captivity for 50 years. And Castile is released because Malik and Shay come to rescue him. And then he discovers in the process of escaping that Shay made a deal with the Ascended to trade Malik for Castile. And they get caught by a couple of Ascended in the tunnels on their way out. And she tries to bargain again and offers to give Castile back to save herself. And Castile like completely loses it She's and, a bitch. and kills her. So like, that's what we've been told. Right. Mm-hmm. So I went through and I looked up every single mention of Shay in every single book. Right. And so here is what I think we can assume is probably the truth, not just because Castile said it, but because it was corroborated by Kieran or by Alistair or by Malik, right? Okay. So these are the only things that I think we can assume are actually true. Number one, she's Alistair's daughter. <laughs> yes. Number two, she and Castile were engaged. She set Malik up 
She helped free Castile from captivity. She is dead by Castile's hand. That's it. Those are the only things that are actually corroborated by more than just Castile. Malik in War of Two Queens, when Castile's in captivity again, asks about Shay and says, like, yeah, they told me what she did and I didn't believe it. Um, but she really did set me up. And then he asks, did you kill her? And he's like, does it matter? Castile says, does it matter? It's like, well, we just, we all have to do some real fucked up shit, right? And I thought that that was really interesting because Malik and Castile's conversation is about her setting up Malik. It doesn't have anything to do with what she did or did not do to Castile, right? So Alistair is the first character to bring her up by name to us in book two, which we know partially is motivated because it's his daughter, right? Mm -hmm. But also because he's trying to break Poppy and Castile apart, right? He's trying to break this whole, what he thinks is a fake relationship, whatever. So he's trying to tell Poppy all this stuff to make her feel uncomfortable or jealous or whatever. But he says, Alistair says that um, Shay like really, really loved Castile. Castile. Castile, when he's telling Poppy like this is what happened this is why I don't talk about her he says you know I think I loved her I don't know when it went from friendship to love but I think that's what I felt for her but it's not anything like what I feel for you and I think she thought she loved me but she couldn't have loved me because you can't betray somebody that you love like that right and so when Malik brings her up in War of Two War of Two Queens in that conversation Malik says that Shay loved you more than I think you even knew certainly more than you deserved and I'm like okay so we have more than one character saying how much she loved Cass right Mm -hmm. and so it's weird to me that then Cass while he's telling Poppy what supposedly happened is like, well, she couldn't have loved me, but these other outside parties, especially Malik who has not been around for years and years and years. Right. Like I don't see why he would not. He was also with Shay for 50 years when Cass was in captivity. Right. So he saw how she would have acted when Castile was not there with her. And if he says that she loved him more than he realizes, I don't know why we would have any reason to think that that wasn't true. Well, maybe you know she what just I mean? loves herself more than she loves anybody else. Well, I don't know. But first of all, the fact that Kieran says, does she know the truth about Shay tells us that currently Poppy does not know the she truth about right. Shay, right? Which means that we, the reader, do not do know not the know about truth yeah. about Shay too. So I think, you know, Malik corroborates that she set him up, but there is nobody but Castile to say that she was trying to trade her life for his in those tunnels in that moment, even Kieran, because in my memory, I was trying to find this. I thought that there was a moment after Castile tells Poppy about Shay, where she and Kieran have a conversation about it, where she's like, he told me about Shay and that actually never happened. So I think that I was confusing with when she says Cass told me that he has nightmares Mm. and Kieran's like he did I'm so surprised that he told you that I thought that they had that conversation about Shay but Mm. that actually never happened so Poppy never has any moment with Kieran away from Castile where Kieran can corroborate anything that he told her in War of Two Queens, Castile is thinking about Poppy and how he does not think that he deserves her and thinks that she's too good for him and that he, you know, he's done all these horrible things, right? And one of the things that he says as proof that he does not deserve Poppy is that he's capable of killing the woman who loves him. Not capable of killing the woman he loves, but capable of the killing the woman who loves him. Where to me, that's admitting that Shay definitely loved him, which again, when he's talking to Poppy, he makes it sound like that's not 
that can't be true, right. right? So there's all these inconsistencies with what he tells Poppy in Kingdom of Flesh and Fire and what other people are saying about Shay and about that whole relationship. And so I'm thinking, is it possible that Shay did not try to bargain her life for Castile's in those tunnels. Is it possible that maybe something else happened? Maybe Cass misinterpreted any something with being in bloodlust, being weakened, being tortured for 50 years. Like, is it possible that, I mean, she, first of all, a hundred percent set up Malik, like mm. definitely betrayed Castile in that way. Definitely had like been messed up. But I think that, we have to consider the possibility that maybe Castile killed her in like bloodlust or something. Yeah. And I will say Jennifer Armentrout's got to be careful about how she explains this because like for me as a, a loyal, very loyal person, I personally will have trouble getting past a pretty big lie. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not, horrible right but also making your wife think that your ex-fiance did something horrible to you instead of you admitting that you did something horrible to them mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. shitty well and it seems clear from this conversation with kieran in soul of ash and blood castile has not told anybody but kieran the truth and even malik says that in that right. war of two queens conversation i bet you didn't even tell anybody i bet kieran's the only one who knows I will. and that's definitely well, because the truth kieran does tell poppy at one point like well if you know you want to ask about shay that's a conversation you guys need to have so even worse than that he says do not ever bring her up yeah. oh, that's you true. do not yeah. ever talk about her with him that is a road you do not want to go down hmm. and to castile in this book he says if anybody's going to understand it's, it's going to be poppy so like there's something that he's not telling her and it's for a reason of being afraid of how she's going to react to it I okay, so because we finished this book mm-hmm. and I know what happens in the end, mm-hmm. it clues me into maybe you're onto something that he was so furious, d- gone, well, gone, yeah, yeah he was lust. so out of his mind, and yeah. that with bloodlust and just like mad about everything that was going on, he's mad about the whole thing with Malik, that maybe something else completely took him over well and the uh, you know obviously we're not there yet in this book but later on in this book when poppy runs away from new haven and he finds her in the snow he has a moment where he thinks back like this is well, that's the way what you're talking about right is that is Indy? this the moment you're talking well, I'm about talking about the very very end oh okay when he loses it Okay, so... But yes, that too. He thinks about Shay, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I felt this kind of crazy once before, mm-hmm. and it was with her, yeah. right? Which I thought was kind of weird yeah. in a moment where it's with Poppy. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm curious to see where yeah. this goes. It's definitely going to go somewhere, or she would not have included this conversation with Kieran. But, right. but it was really eye-opening to go back and look through all of the other books, because then it was like, oh my gosh, like, there have been these inconsistencies the entire time but first of all they're so spread out in these books that it's easy to miss but also some of the inconsistencies are between Cass and Alistair Mm -hmm. which I'm gonna nobody trust Alistair yeah I'm gonna believe Castile over Alistair any day of the week right so I'm curious to see where it goes but I'm kind of nervous about it because I can get something bad it's gonna it's gonna be a third act breakup. I know. I know. I'm sure it's not gonna be a breakup. <laughs> it not be. But I'm curious to see what the drama is gonna be. Yeah. Like why it's that'll even a be thing. an interesting thing to play out for sure. So 
maybe Gianna's going to come back and mm. be a I feel like Poppy super spy or something. Kick her ass, she so. definitely she does. does. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, that is my I husband. Would, I would have to, what would she say? Like, I would have to tear you to pieces and feed you to the Barretts or something, yeah, the yeah. Barretts or whatever. So speaking of people that Hawk used to fuck, <laughs> I really, I want to talk about the spicy scene in this section because there's really only one. Right, mm, there's two. There's two. Oh, I guess there is the red pearl. But right? you, I'm, you I'm, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Hawk when he thinks about. So I know normally we talk about favorite spicy scenes, uh, and you know, honestly, the scene where he jerks off stuck with me so much. I keep forgetting that we read about the red pearl again <laughs> because the jerk off scene really bothered me. So, you know, normally if he was touching himself, I'd feel all squirmy inside. But like he was so desperate to feel something that I ended up feeling really bad for it him instead of yeah. being turned on. So, and again, we go back to learning that Hawk has intentionally hurt himself. And this is the section that we learned that in. So, like, I lost my lady boner. I couldn't. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I deflated. 100%. I mean, I understand I why. See that. Yeah, I can understand your reasoning for sure. Yeah. Did either of you like that scene? I did. That I, was my favorite. That was my <laughs> well, I, I want, well, I mean, we all like Hawk touching himself. But it's, why? It, for me, it's not about that, really. It's more about how it's that automatic attraction and desire to like that extreme level for poppy like automatically from the jump there's no having to think about it or grow it grow into it (laughs) 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 that was unintentional but great um it's it's the desire for me like that automatic attraction which for me is the heartmates thing which i'm um, I guess a big old romantic. Like I love the faded mates, the the heartmate thing. You know, like that whole trope. So that's I think that's why I liked it. Would also, you say that's your favorite trope of all time? Oh, I think so mates. for sure. Yeah, mine's enemies to lovers. I like a good enemies to lovers too. I think mine's probably enemies to lovers. I think as well. I like I like grumpy sunshine too a yeah. lot though. Well, I like that. I like enemies to lovers because of the character development that yeah. has to come from that. And if the enemies to lovers end up being mates, whoo. Well, a lot of times they do. <laughs> I know. Well. In any kind of supernatural book, they do, right? Know, right? Akatar, mm-hmm. From Blood Nash, mm-hmm. What Lies Beyond the Veil, mm-hmm. King of Bad mm-hmm. Blood. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> right. Me too. But no, that the tub scene, I had to set my book down. It made me think about when I was oh, reading. did you? No. <laughs> that <laughs> but it made uh, me you think just told on yourself. not like that no when i was reading silver flames and i would read something and be like oh my gosh and it would be so like obscene that i would have to set the book down and like stop being embarrassed even though nobody but me knows what i'm reading but when it said that his like his tip jetted out of the water i was like oh my gosh <laughs> I had to, like stop reading for See, a second i'm like oh it's just like bobbing there i like- guess <laughs> i mean i don't know that's some I mean, That's a how man. deep is that tub? Because how long is it to be able to get out of the water? <laughs> and was he reclining saying. back or was he sitting up? Right. Okay. I think he reclines back a little I said it was like a hip bath, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, in in our season three episodes, we're gonna always we're gonna always ask like, what still needs to be answered? And that's one of my answers: was he sitting or was he reclining? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say how big is his dick? Well, essentially, that, that is what I mean. That's, uh, yeah. JLA, if you could answer that, that question. We we would yeah, we'd appreciate that. <laughs> Not too big. We don't want to hurt. <laughs> I liked this scene so for a little <laughs> Pringles can. Yeah, Pringles. Yeah, Pringles Cassian. Can. Yeah. 
Sorry. That's <laughs> a, no, I liked the scene for similar reasons, but some different ones as well. And this is realized before this comes out of my mouth. It's going to sound like I'm a perv. I think but, we all sound like pervs <laughs> at this um, point. It's <laughs> because you have a sex drive to say you're a pervert. Well, I'm not a voyeurist, right? But there is that voyeuristic. <laughs> maybe you are a little uh, maybe bit. Maybe <laughs> I am a little bit. I don't know. There was something about that sort of voyeurism to it that, you know, you're watching someone pleasure themselves. Like as the reader. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean, and it's something that actually kind of turns me on when I'm with my husband as well. So it's, uh, you know, so yeah, everybody can find that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, like I, I would say most people like that. To I, mean, you off right, I would say right? so. Yeah. So I'm, and that's why I'm like, I'm not a warrior. I'm not going to go look at Whitney's husband doing that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> You didn't say anything about mine, though, or, oh my gosh. or anybody's husband, if, if he for that matter, to or this episode or... hears that sentence, he will just wither away. He'll be like, "Hey, Wit, you want to watch Twilight?" <laughs> oh man, sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, so that's a lot of the reason I enjoyed it, but also I like too that he's like thinking about her, but he is enlightened that he doesn't worship her because she's virginal or because she's, you know, he's attracted to her. That's right. It's not because she's the maiden, which is why everybody else wants to be around her and want, you he's know. grossed out by the purity culture of it all. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. he talks about what, who cares if she's a virgin? Like, why does that even matter? Right. Which I appreciate. And that I too. feel like that was the scene that he was talking a little bit about that, but even if it's not, it kind of goes hand in hand with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Way to go. Way to go, Hawk. <laughs> Way to go, Tub. <laughs> Except for you, Deb. Except for Deb wants to close her eyes. I, I get what you're saying, though. Like, it's yeah. it's in the midst of a lot of heavy stuff. It I is. feel you on that. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got an erection for a minute. <laughs> it went away very quickly, unfortunately. Womp, womp. Yeah. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trumpet. <laughs> So, who would you guys say is your MVP of the chapters that we read for this week? I want to go first. Okay, okay. Go ahead. So, my MVP of this section was Jericho's hand. <laughs> so, Doing the heavy lifting. As all, as all the readers know, Jericho gets his hand cut off for attacking Poppy and trying Noice. to kidnap her. After Hawk told him, no one touches the maiden, mm-hmm. which again is that touch her and die thing that we he really like. He even liked. said, I mean it, Jericho. The right. maiden is to be unharmed. So we learn that everyone already is asked if they can kill Jericho, <laughs> right? <laughs> Including Kieran, who outright asks. And then... We learn more about the depth of Kieran and Hawk's bond after Poppy's attack, as well as how much Hawk respects Kieran because Hawk wants to kill Jericho. Yeah. And Kieran convinces him not to because he's like, hey, dude, I can tell something's going on here. And yeah. if you kill him, people are going to start asking a lot of questions about what your intentions are. Right. And so he goes in and instead chops off his hand. And yeah. so Jericho's hand becomes comedic relief it for does, the rest it really of the does. book. It does, yeah. Which I really love. So MVP award, Jericho's <laughs> hand. Well, and to your point too with Kieran, Castile even says sometime, at some point in that conversation, like, I'm the prince. I can do whatever I want. And Kieran is very much acting in that advisor position. Like, okay, I mean, you can, but let's think about the consequences. Right? Well, and Kieran and then later Poppy are really the only people he really listens to. Yeah. yeah. So it, it really does show how close they are. I mean, yes, they're bonded, but it, it's beyond that. Yeah. Because being bonded doesn't mean anything. They don't have to listen to you. 
that kind of leads true. into my MVP, which I, I chose Kieran. And for a few reasons. So one, we get to see through interactions with him and Cass exactly how Cass has been grappling with all his feelings. It's not just just through Cass's eyes. It's also through Kieran's. Uh, Two, he starts to accept and understand Poppy before even Castile does. Mm. So he's already pushing that forward, pushing that agenda. Uh, And... Before Castile even, I think even, he starts to think about it, but before he voices it, Kieran does. And three, he generally makes sure everything is staying on track, even when it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And number four, he makes sure that Poppy doesn't wake up wearing white. I loved that moment. Oh, I forgot about that. Loved, loved, loved that moment. I just thought that was so sweet and thoughtful. He's the best. He is. Yeah, I, I kind of skimmed over the present day stuff, to be honest. I probably should go back and read those chapters. There are some better. really sweet moments yeah, in some of them. There are some really good present. Yeah. But present I was like, get moments. to the good stuff. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know Hawk's point of view on this. Yeah. Who was yours with? My MVP was Victor and his dad energy is what I wrote down. Because <laughs> all of the daddy Victor. Yeah, daddy Victor. Yeah. But not, all, not the daddy like <laughs> you normally think of. Not like, like zaddy. Not zaddy. Yeah, not like zaddy Victor. But just not the, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, never. Never. Only Pedro Pascal for that. Um, No, just all of his very thinly veiled kind of warnings and threats to Hawk of like, I'm on to you. And she I know she's beautiful and you're young and hot and she's going to think that you're hot. Like, stay away from her. Like, you have a job to do. Keep it professional. gives him a true premonition, too. Oh, yeah. Which comes to light later in the book. Yeah, the stay focused. One second of being distracted or being too arrogant could cost you everything um which we see later on in the book and the whole like if you're in her room and it's just the two of you you better keep that door open boy and all all of that i just i loved that i love his protectiveness over poppy and how much he really cares about her because he was so important to her for a huge chunk of her life and i just love victor even though he's not perfect i do love him well i have a favorite secondary character too is it victor no it's emile oh yay i love him I really love his banter with Hawk and Kieran whenever Hawk goes to feed. So I feel like it's top notch. And I really, I adore that he served his future king by traveling to Solus to feed him. And we learned two things during this time. Number one, that mortal meat is gamey. (laughs) Hilariously ties to the ending of the book. So if you've not finished the book yet, I don't want to spoil that for you you but we'll talk about it in two weeks it's yeah. one of the funnier parts about the end of the book yep. and then number two hawk sees visions of emile and Vanetta, who mm-hmm. if you don't remember is kieran's sister yep. so we know that atlanteans can control what other people see when they feed from them so is emile trying to like get that off his chest i don't know oh, he's totally i don't think he meant i don't think he meant right because they're hiding really? their, yeah, they're hiding their affair Yes, right. they're together, or at least starting to be together, but um, we don't know, we don't see anybody mention the two of them as a couple until War of Two Queens, when Poppy sees Emile leaving Vanetta's room. Right, but so Kieran still doesn't know. Kieran doesn't know until War of Two Queens, right. I don't think. Right, But so I love, though, that he was like kind of just having his own thoughts and he's like oh yeah, fuck I, I just I don't, told Castile yeah, I don't think he his best friend's sister it, yeah I don't think he meant to to do that at all because yeah. the way that he seemed very like shifty and like looking at Kieran and like shaking oh, like don't, don't, do, don't it. do it don't do it don't tell anything hey be cool be cool man be cool guy code right 
Well, that's funny because my is not actually Emil, but my favorite secondary character was Kieran. <laughs> like your MVP, right? I just, I don't know. I, I don't think I have anything new to say that we haven't already said about Kieran. I just really love like his devotion to Castile and his um, devotion to Poppy and how you can see that starting super early on, like even before Castile knew what was going on between him and Poppy. I just really love it. And all the banter, they're really funny. And Kieran obviously has everyone, not everyone, but Poppy and Castile's best interests at heart and was their advisor really before he was officially their advisor, you know, once they became crowned. I hope everybody has a Kieran in their life. I know. know. I have two. I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Whitney's like, I only have one. (laughs) (laughs) And you guys got to fight over who it is. (laughs) I'll never tell. (laughs) She's like, do I have to say it? Do I also have to say I too? (laughs) I was like, I have seven. (laughs) That's great, actually. I don't know how you keep up with all those motherfuckers. (laughs) Uh, Who was your favorite secondary character? So mine is someone that we don't actually see a whole, whole lot in these chapters. But in this section, I really love Delanol. And it's only solely for the fact that he is the goodest boy. And when Cass lays Poppy in the bed, he immediately jumps up and doesn't leave his place guarding her. And he fixes his stare on the door. I just love that kind of devotion. And we only see him in the present scenes and in the section and maybe in the whole book. I can't remember. We see him a little bit toward the end of the book. Oh, that's right. We do. We see him in um, New Haven. But... I just, I just thought that was the sweet. He's the goodest boy. I know. I love him too. I love them all. I love too many of them. <laughs> I hate a lot of them too. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite uh, quote kind of ties into what you were talking about, Dad. My favorite quote was "Mortal meat is gamey." Oh, was it really? <laughs> Well, That's the quote I wrote. I that My too. favorite quote is from that section, but it's how the chapter starts. So do you mind if I say oh, it? Oh, yeah. Quick? Okay. So it says, Emile de la Her. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. De la Her. I bet that's it. <laughs> Emile was a motherfucker. One either enjoyed his presence or spent the entirety of time plotting various ways to murder him. Something I truly believed brought Emile a perverse level of joy. So... This says so much about Castile's overall feelings towards Emil, <laughs> yeah. especially when it comes to Poppy. And Emil gets brought up several times in this book, and it really makes me wonder where JLA is going with his character. It's weird that he's brought up so many times. And there's a lot of theories that Emil may be on the side of the unseen, and I'm a little worried about Dude. it. You know, I'm a little worried that JLA is setting him up to be a part of the big bad. I disagree. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. Look, See, I worry about all of them. I'm, I feel well, like nobody's safe and my heart is not safe. It I could think, happen to any of them. I, I really think the only, truly the only characters that we don't have to worry about are Poppy, Castile, and Kieran. Because yeah. right. the three of them are joined. Right. right. Because JLA it. has said it's no one in the inner circle. Right. But there's the circle of the joining. Right. And I mean. And that could include Delano and Emil. And I mean, it could. Yeah. But right. we. But know, like, you know, know, I wouldn't call Vanetta inner circle. I wouldn't call Neil inner circle. I wouldn't yeah. even call Castile's parents inner circle. Oh, for sure. No. So oh, gosh, we know no. that someone. Especially was, Eloana. Mm-hmm. Right. We were. Someone was feeding information to Alistair and the Ascended about Poppy. And we still don't know who that person was. So yeah. that's going to hurt when that comes out. Yeah, I, I will say in defense of Emil, in that scene, I um, 
I feel like part of what JLA was doing with him was trying to explain a little bit more because we've talked before about how when he shows up in Kingdom of Flesh and Fire, the fact that he's traveling with Alistair, a lot of people are like, oh, he must be a bad guy because he traveled with Alistair. But in this scene of feeding, Castile asks him to do that, right? And so that's new information for us. We didn't know that before. And I, for me, that's... That might feels- be JLA trying to get us off his back. A little bit, yeah. whether or whether it's, it's a, a red, red right, whether it's oh, yeah. a red herring or legitimate, which I mean, it is legitimate now canon that Castile asked him to travel with Alistair. Like, it's not just he's buddies with him. Right. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't I think, think it's nobody's weird. gonna betray Poppy. I think <laughs> everybody right. loves no her. Ever betrayed her. <laughs> no, you're right. Never. Her Nothing whole life. bad ever happens <laughs> to Poppy. It's weird that Emil, out of all people, was the one to come. I think it's odd. Because they talked he even about that, says, like he even says, like I'm surprised it wasn't Neil. That's what I was, but thinking <laughs> Nile was Nail doing, was something, doing else. something, yeah. Which also he, um, like you guys, rem- if you re- recall my PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> can you tell the <laughs> listeners about the PowerPoint presentation, please? It was long. It was very detailed. I worked on it for so, weeks. But <laughs> we have we have a yearly reading party in a hotel every November, yeah. and it's just happened to coincide with the release of the JLA books, and yeah. in between. What was it? Crown of Gilded Bones and War of Two Queens, or maybe War of Two Queens and Light in the Flame? No, it it was it was before that. It was yeah, yeah. it was War of Two Queens before War of Two Queens. You did it was like a fifty point PowerPoint, and it It took long enough that your food went sour and you got food poisoning. (laughs) That is accurate. (laughs) I felt so that is true, but it was very, very, very strong work and it was very detailed and one of one of the things that i pointed out is uh niall does not go with them in uh crown of gilded bones he does not go with them to uh elysium because he wants to like hang out with his dad and i was like that's weird oh yeah that was a really shady right yeah and so here again we've got this like i wonder why niall didn't come and it's like well he had to go do something i'm like "Mm -hmm." Uh, weird Mm -hmm." that you're that's a good point because they are bringing that up randomly too Mm -hmm. okay hold on i'm gonna open this (laughs) (laughs) i mean you guys know we heavily drink during this podcast so um if you hear i'm just refilling my drink over here i did i am having a carbonated water with my (laughs) alcohol heavily drink during this podcast we're like doing keg stands in between the sections. <laughs> chug, 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 chug. Here, I have said a million times it makes me funnier. No, it does. People don't understand how stressful podcasting is. And it can we, be it can very be. stressful. We happen true. to want to have a po- uh, like a cocktail element when we started this anyway, but it yeah. certainly has helped things. It's <laughs> yeah. true. It takes the edge so off true. a little bit, so doesn't true. it? Mindy, did you have a favorite quote? Have we heard I what do. yours was? No, we haven't. I, I actually have several, but I'm trying to just pick one. So I have a long one. <laughs> and a short one and I'm just trying to decide which one I want to use I think I'm going to go because we were talking about Alistair I'm going to go with the long one because he's brought up in it so this is Kieran's speech to Cass before he goes in and cuts off Jericho's hand while he's trying to like get him to not kill him (laughs) so Cass has just said I'm the prince or he admits he's the prince and Kieran says I know what you're about to say oh (laughs) 
<laughs> so now you claim ownership of that title, Kieran countered, his voice as low as mine. Bear all the responsibilities of such? Good. About damn time. Your parents in Atlantia will rejoice. Alistair will likely come in his pants from happiness and blah, blah, <laughs> what the fuck ever. But you aren't just going in there as his prince. You will be going in there as the prince of Atlantia, the prince who governs us all. Yeah, I, I mean, that has everything in it, I highlighted right? that quote. <laughs> like, Alistair's going to come in his pants. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, and that's the part of Kieran you don't see when he's being professional in front of people. Yes. But it's the part that Poppy and Hawk find so hilarious. Like, right? when it's just them. Yeah. Right. It's it's the same thing where he's like, I bet you have more questions, don't you? It's that mm-hmm. same type of diatribe. I mean, yeah. only, only Kieran can throw in, Alistair's going to come in his pants, but the rest of it would be super serious and like, commanding and meaningful yes. <laughs> and uh, effective exactly yeah so. that's funny because my uh i wanted to talk about what questions you guys still have at this point in the book um and one of my my question is about alistair and and victor actually why does everyone keep comparing alistair and victor that's what i want to know yeah, too they she always talks about how time. their voices sound the same their laughs are the same they both have the same like kind of coloring their faces and hair color describe the same a random theory maybe alistair is a fate that's gone rogue oh maybe he could be a victor yeah right yeah because he seems to know a lot about the prophecy and all of those things oh i didn't even think about that he's very close to the prophecy and like because that's all his that's his mission right would he be able to be a fate and a woven why not i don't know i'm just that's that's my question yeah (laughs) you tell me (laughs) i say yes i don't i mean i genuinely don't know because he's definitely a woven i mean there's not really any evidence that he wouldn't be because he's supposed to have been bonded with what's his face you know malek <laughs> yeah. that one think of his name one core character you know malek. the big the big one the of the big, big bad. ones yeah. Right. yeah uh he was his bonded woven so hmm that's interesting i don't think we've ever been told that a fate can't be a woven we haven't been told much of anything about the fates other than like they're not supposed to uh, interfere too too much or too directly right, yeah. with I mean, and that's why maybe he's gone rogue because he's definitely yeah. interfering but if you if you interfere too much you're supposed to be basically like completely obliterated like the final death you don't even get to go to like the Shadowlands afterlife or whatever right well, he does get pretty obliterated well Ooh, or maybe true. he's know. he's rogue because they kicked him out. He, they're like, you're not a fucking fate, you asshole. And so then he's like, he's like, well, fuck you. I'm going to fuck up the stuff that you're trying to do then. Who knows? Sounds like something a middle-aged white man would do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're just people. Poppy in uh, Kingdom of Flesh and Fire is constantly thinking about how similar Alistair is to Victor. The way they laugh, the way they the way their voices sound. And now um, Hawk slash Castile is doing it in this book too and I just I don't like that because I really like Victor and we really don't like Alistair he doesn't have very many redeeming qualities right mm, so no. I don't like the comparison and I want it to stop so, <laughs> so <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> here's what I want to know something that we've all said has bothered us through this well we talked about the Craven baby so I guess maybe what's bothered us is like the children aspect but why are the dissenters involving children that was something I really don't like that we learn about later. Actually, this is a question for later in the book, so I'm kind of jumping ahead. My apologies. But we do learn later How that there are you. children at the right <laughs> that are dissenters and there's yeah. children at the dissenter meeting. So apologies for that's the problem with having already read this. Right. right? <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's an issue for me that there are like tweens in the dissenter movement. 
I don't love it. Yeah, I don't love that either. I mean, I guess maybe it's just if you see your parents doing that and that's what you're exposed to. But I don't know. It just it does give me a icky feeling. I don't like it. Yeah. My question actually I have a couple. Uh, I can't. I, I clearly I can't cannot. Be, I can't believe it. <laughs> well, the first one's Who are just you, Poppy. This the first one's just actually something that Cass wondered. Uh, While he's looking at Delano in the very beginning, he says, I wonder if the life restored to those who'd fallen in battle had been a gift that could be stripped away at any moment. And that's also a question I have, like what's going to happen to these, you know, people that were brought back to life after the big battle, you know, for the sole purpose of helping and being, you know, an army. Right. When their mission's fulfilled, what happens? What happens? Do they, you know, peace out? Do they... Turn like to dust like Thanos or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just that 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 one I think will be something. I hope that we find out. I hope, and I hope it's not like devastating because yeah. I don't want to lose Delano again. I know we might though. You yeah. know what I was just thinking? Do you wonder if anybody else was brought back to life, or only people at the Bone Temple in that battle? Ooh. Oh, good. Because like, what if? What if Ileana's alive? What if Alistair was brought back to life? What if that's why they keep referencing him and talking about Victor? And oh. you know what I mean? Like, what if other people were brought back also? But that I feel would like be kind of they cool. left all the bad people dead. Yeah, well, they but, would definitely but leave how, Ileana how dead. Do you, how? Because you're assuming that Seraphina brought him back to life. I mean, right? Yeah, she's the primal of life. Yes. How does she know who should be alive and dead? Well, they still know like what's going on, even though they're in stasis. Oh, okay. At least some of it. Um, Cause Poppy says at the end of war to Queens to before she kills Isbeth, she says like, she saw everything. She saw you plotting and planning and all the things that you've done, even asleep. She saw it all. And now you're going to pay. It would have been real fucking nice if you guys had just woken up from your nap. Right. I know. A lot like, of you're just going to watch that. Like it's right. an MTV show. I think they had to wait for Poppy though. Yeah. They were, they, they had, had to, to wait, wait for, for her to come into her yeah, powers. Yeah. Come into her full power. Yeah. So, yeah. That sort of sort of goes into my. Oh, next. I forgot that you have no, more. Yeah, no, sorry, I have one more. <laughs> sorry. But this one was this one's all, has always made me curious because it, it gets brought up a lot, and they bring up that uh, Niktos is always depicted as faceless, and I do love the speculation about I can't remember who made this speculation or he said somebody speculated about it that the ascended feared the wrath of the gods and that they couldn't bring themselves to look at his face because they were scared of him. So that's why they depicted him like that. I thought that was an interesting sort of take on it. But, you know, why don't why doesn't he have a face? Like, why else? All the other ones do. Oh, does the, have they already answered Winnie's that? raising her hand in the background. <laughs> I think that it, I don't know if this is just an assumption that readers have made or if this is ever actually discussed, but I think that the reason they don't show Niktos' face is because it's connected to Serafina somehow. Like, because Niktos is believed to be the primal of life, but he's not actually the primal of life. She is. But they're keeping her anonymous. And so I think that the keeping his face blank is a nod to Serafina. Like it's not actually Niktos. So if we're going to like revere this God, let's not don't show my face. Cause it's not actually me. It's her, but we're trying to keep her a secret. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a little yeah. bit convoluted, but I mean, why but- would, why would the ascended care? I feel like the ascended would be like, well, why doesn't he have a face? I'm just going to put one on there. Like, yeah, maybe. you know, like why is this something that like clearly I mean, nobody knows what, 
Isbeth might have kept that going out of like honoring Malek. Maybe. You know, because yeah. she knows that that's his, her right. heartmate's father, right? So that might have been something. Because, see, we still don't know anything. Ab- yeah, we don't know anything about Malek still, right? True. So, like, we don't know what he felt was important with right. his parents and his brother and what he didn't care about. And if, you know, I, I get the feeling that he just like cut off all communication, all relationship at all. But there's stuff like that where I'm like, well, maybe that was important to him right. and therefore it's important to Isbeth. And so she just keeps it going. I don't know. Cause yeah, we don't, just, we just don't know anything about just him made me curious. other than that. Like he kind of sucked. Yeah, he did. In some ways at least. Yeah. I feel like JLA has a lot to cover. In the, in the next, yeah. because there's really only there's one more prequel book, right, mm-hmm. and then one more Poppy from Blood Cass, and Ash book, yeah. yeah, and then there's Miss Willa's diary, yes, correct? but I think, but that's gonna have maps and more information about people yeah. and like genealogy and all. That's more I of a companion. She's gonna keep writing about this world, just not about Poppy and Castile. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, maybe I'm making that. maybe I'm making that up. Maybe you dreamt that and you were really maybe excited. it's wishful thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, that is something I'm really looking forward to learning more about. But I think in this particular book, I think I want to talk about what I'm looking forward to in the upcoming chapters. Sure. I'm really excited about it. I cannot wait to talk about Duke Tierman's death. And I think we are going to do that next week. <laughs> we I have are, yeah. so many feelings about that section. <laughs> and I really can't wait to talk about that motherfucker dying. Yeah, that's going to be a big you section. You learn a lot it's, in that section. I feel like that's something is. that we've been talking about for a while that we were excited to see from Cass's point of view. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so of course fun. she had to include yeah. it in the book, right? I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. I think that's kind of included in my what I'm looking forward to because I just said the great right, <laughs> like, which is a lot, right? It's yeah, right. Duke Tierman's death. It's under the willow tree. It's running into Victor and like what happens with all of that. Like that that entire course of events, I guess, is what I'm excited to read. See, I and I, my mind's in the gutter because I said <laughs> the blood forest sexiness. Ooh. Like that's what I want to know about. I want to know what Castile's thinking about while he's doing that. I want to know where his head is <laughs> well i think it's pressed up against the say, i'm pretty sure i, mean, I know, where, know it is. where that head is but oh yeah, man that's so. funny were there any other tidbits or things that you found interesting that you wanted to toss out there so one thing we've not discussed even in last season we were talking about the original from blood and ash book is what it means for poppy to be born in a shroud so i i wanted to look into that so one thing I really loved about these first few chapters was learning more about what hockey hockey <laughs> having these multiple names is seriously fucked up at this point. <laughs> Trying to do a recap of a different point of view of a character with more than one name. Cocky hockey. Cocky hockey. <laughs> okay. Whenever cock <laughs> which is now what he is named is in the courtyard and he's training and remember he can always see the poppies watching him he has all of these presumptions about her which we kind of knew but he essentially thinks that she is submissive he wonders at some point if she even has a voice he thinks she's like this terrified little thing that is cool with what the ascendant is doing right? only talks in whispers yeah. oh, <laughs> oh sir oh <laughs> Oh, golly gee williker. So one of the things he talks about is why people really admire her so much. And it said the maiden was supposedly born in a shroud of the gods, which was yet more ascended bullshit, which answers part of my question at the end of my deep dive here in a second. 
But I wanted to talk about this, about the shroud, because it comes up several times. It's how the Ascended say that Poppy is is chosen. And we never talked about it in the entire book uh, from Blood and Ash. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this now. Okay, so throughout the series, the Ascended reference that because Poppy was born in a shroud, it means that she's chosen by the gods and, and is revered by the people of Solus. So... I wanted to look and see what it means whenever there is a real life shroud in a birth. So I think anyone who's ever had a baby has seen that some babies are born, quote unquote, in call, which means they're still born within the amniotic sac. So for those of you without kids or those of you with a penis, the amniotic sac is what holds the baby and all the fluids that surround the baby inside the pregnant mama's womb. So when a person goes into labor, typically the sac breaks, Whitney knows firsthand, in the car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is what we see in movies as the water breaking, right? And the, in the movies, and they're like, it's time. That does not mean it's time, for the record, for <laughs> yeah. those of you that don't have kids. That doesn't mean shit. So when a baby is born in call, this sack doesn't break and the baby is essentially born inside this bubble, right? So they come out in this gelatinous sack, essentially, that's like see-through that isn't broken. And so this is actually pretty rare and only happens in 0.000125% of the time or approximately one in 80,000 births. So these infants are called call bearers, which I would not want someone calling my baby that for the record. And it's, it's often... And the reason they're called call bears is because it looks like they're covered in a veil. So sometimes it's called oh. a veiled birth. JLA, you get me. You um, just you just get what you're doing here. I love it. Which would be so, why they make her, her wear veil. A veil. Right. Yeah. So some babies are born in call, which means the amniotic sac never bursts at all. And then there's also call babies that just have like part of the amniotic sac kind of like kind of sticky attached to them, but it's usually over their face. So it's the same thing. It's like a veiled so birth. So it's like if like you're in a bubble and it bursts and then like the top part stays on your Right, head. like a piece of balloon got yeah, stuck yeah, on yeah. your face or something. That's essentially what it is. So hmm. because veiled births are rare, the babies and the call, which again is just a piece of the amniotic sac, are highly valued. There are several different beliefs that follow veiled births, but most have the same themes in which you'll see have a pretty direct correlation with how Poppy is revered by the ascended. Mm. So number one, most people believe that the child will be lucky, achieve greatness and have special powers to resist evil. Well, hey, yeah, there you go, Poppy. Number two, the child has a purpose to serve mankind. Several cultures believe that being born in a shroud makes the child a king or queen by right, which is what we hear Castile's mom say at one point. Hmm. Number three, the baby is seen as a sign or an omen, usually associated with spiritual abilities, which we also see Mm -hmm. in Poppy. Being born in call is seen as having a connection with the supernatural world. So... I know all of us here have seen this, but if you have never seen a super freshly born newborn, those things are like really weird looking. I'm just going to say, I mean, I know we all love our own children and we think they're cute. No baby when it comes out of a vagina is super duper cute. Yeah. So when a baby, you know, comes out, it has like squished little parts of its faces. It tends to be a little bit bruised up from its ride down the birth canal. But babies that are born in a shroud don't have these anomalies because that protective shield continues to surround them down the birth Mm -hmm. canal. So they're not squished up and all bruised and everything. So most cultures believe that these children are pure and destined for greatness because they've been mm. bored, born with a shield um. around them. 
There are a few more fantastical beliefs about these types of births, which I thought were, were really kind of fun. So some believe that in-call babies can ward off fires and explosions. Oh. I don't know why. I couldn't find anything else okay. about why people believe that. Ward off explosions. Right. So All I actually right. was trying to think if there were any explosions around Poppy where she was like, no fire, get back from me. <laughs> <laughs> on the flip side, <laughs> on the flip side, sailors used to pay a fortune for a piece of the call as they believed it had a... It could be a very powerful talisman that makes one immune to drowning. In fact, some cultures call these births mermaid births because the baby is actually born still fully submerged in amniotic yeah. fluid. Mm-hmm. And the baby can actually survive for 25 minutes inside the sack after birth, which oh, wow. I found really kind of neat. Yeah. So back in the Roman times, lawyers used to pay the Roman midwives for pieces of the call because they claimed they never lost a case if they had it as a good luck charm. Again, I want to point out these people are carrying around pieces of amniotic sac. Yeah. In 17th century France and Spain, soldiers also carried pieces of the call to help them in luck and have good luck in battle. So both sides of the armies were doing that. It's just all kinds of good luck. Right. Yeah. Like whatever kind of good luck you need in your like career. Right. It's like a rabbit's foot. It is. Yeah. But grosser. Exactly. Yeah. Can I get this in a baggie? <laughs> <laughs> Could you like put that in resin or something yeah. so it doesn't get crispy and fall apart? So finally, the other thing I found in folklore is that good witches used call to ward off the spells of bad witches. Hmm. And so wow. the bad witches would not have access to the call and all the good yeah. witches would carry it around like a talisman, just like the sailors do. Like a white magic versus dark yeah. magic. Kind yeah, of thing. essentially. Mm. So, and I think I answered my own question a minute ago. So we talked about how brilliant Jennifer Armentrout is, and I definitely see all of the way that the ascended have used this lore to their benefit. Right. So my question is, and I think again, we just answered it. Do we know for sure that Poppy was born this way or was this something that the ascended used as a decoy to keep people from finding out that she's Atlantean? Because saying that she's chosen means that people can't access her. They can't touch her and that she must be protected at all times. So if they're doing that, no one's going to find out she's Atlantean. So is there anything that actually where we see definitively that she was actually born this way? I don't think, think so i, I would mean, have I think to the only person that would know would be Elizabeth. i would and have that to bitch go, is dead i yep. would have to go back to um crown of gilded bones when they meet well with because her. it says it right he and again this is hawk's point of view so i don't know it says the maiden was supposedly born in a shroud of the gods which was yet more ascended bullshit so but, but he's saying a shroud of the gods not necessarily just a shroud but the he also says somewhere around that same part that only Atlanteans are born in a shroud. But he and Kieran are talking and about he, that. he assumes, well, then she couldn't have been because she's obviously not Atlantean, although she is. Why did those boys not catch on earlier? I know, right? See, I think problems. Kieran maybe had an idea. I think that she definitely was born in a shroud because... First of all, she is Atlantean, but also she inherited the primal powers or whatever, and Millicent didn't. Oh, true. And so I feel like Poppy was actually born in a shroud, and maybe Millicent wasn't. But I don't actually know Mm. that. Yeah, I'd have to go back to read what Isbeth says when she's like, "I am your mother." Right. So a couple. So when someone talks about being born in a shroud, it's also called again in call. It's called a shirt birth because again that thing's kind of like hanging off of them once it does pop. And then again the the veiled birth, which I did not ever make that connection. That totally explains the veil because I feel like we've talked before. Like why are they? Yeah, yeah, like why is that a part of her? Which I guess shroud part of it was 
um, conveniently hiding how much she looked like Isbeth. Right. Right. Um, Hmm. JLA, man. I know. She gets you every time. You know, you're Steph girl. She really does. <laughs> she really is brilliant. Well, I don't have a super detailed tidbit like that, Deb, but I did think that it was really cool. Um, toward the beginning, Castile says that his dad told him as a child that Bloodstone, when he's talking about the Bloodstone daggers, Bloodstone is the angry or sad tears of a god left out in the sun to like petrify. Which I thought was really cool because the diamonds are supposed to be tears of like the joyous tears of a god in love or whatever. I know. And I've wondered because we learned about Shadowstone, right? We know Shadowstone is connected to the Shadowlands to Elysium. I don't know why I can't say that word. Elysium. Exactly. (laughs) What a nail. (laughs) All over again. Nyctos, Nyctos, Nyctos. Exactly. (laughs) But we don't really find out a whole lot about Bloodstone other than like a lot of people have Bloodstone weapons and they're used against the Ascended. They're used against the Craven. And I just love that. Remind me again what they said it's from. Um, According to... Cass's dad it is the angry or sad tears of a god left in the sun to petrify okay so bloodstone is angry tears and diamonds are happy tears yes yes all right yeah which i think is really cool and i hope that's right because you know if you're saying that to a little kid it could be not accurate just making up shit but i don't know why she would include that if it was just completely bogus so i don't know because it sounds cool i know right (laughs) what about you one time i cried my tears turned into stone (laughs) and now it's a dagger i think that i'm gonna kill you with it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i just had a couple of just really quick blink and you'll miss it things like for instance in the very beginning you i thought poppy had to kill her own mother let that sink in because Cass brings it up about, you know, why she's probably feeling kind of weird, but not just that she killed the villain, but that villain gave birth to her, yeah. which is pretty heavy, but it gets sort of but thrown out there. She's honestly not known about for I was very just long. thinking that yeah. same thing. I yeah. don't think she's even past the shock of that information. She's, she yet. has only known that for a couple months. Right. Maybe. So, you know, that's, that's going to be something she's going to grapple with. Yeah. Uh, Nectus low key mentions that the god that Castile is descended from is still alive. Mm-hmm. He just slips that in. Yeah, I noticed that. Oh, slips in. Excuse me. <laughs> also, it's kind of a big deal, but other gods are awakening. Awakening, mm-hmm. like even Penelope, they yeah. could, because they knew from where it came from. Yeah, they're assuming. Her. Yeah, because yeah, she's so, so close. So you know that's kind of a big deal, and nobody's talking about it after yeah. that fact. I mean, I get that they're it's more important to deal with Poppy, but well, I and mean, <laughs> at the end of War of Two Queens, Nectus says some of the gods that are waking up are going to be like enemies. They're not loyal to Nictos or Seraphina yeah. at all. So it's going to be a whole new. Uh, crop of villains, basically. Yeah. A new battlefield. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The battle has just begun. Dun dun dun. And then also, the royal crest is modeled after a symbol in ancient Atlantean, which actually means death. And interestingly enough, the pledge that the royal guard makes comes from the vows that the Atlantean king and queen make to their subjects. So the ascended are borrowing. Like they're like, we hate the Atlanteans, but we're going to use every fucking thing they. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not super original beings. No, yeah. not at all. They're Why like, we hate you, but we're going to copy you. Right. Like, well, because they like have done things pretty well. Yeah. So we're going to do it the same way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And no one will ever know. Yeah. And finally, cause you know, I have way more than everybody. <laughs> I, I, let it be known that Mindy cannot make decisions. <laughs> This is this that's is a okay. flaw that's that I've okay had for because years. I can, and that's why we are good <laughs> friends. But 
also in one at one point Cass when he's talking about himself and the dark one calls himself a tulpa which is something that I hadn't even heard of until I watched Supernatural because it's the best show ever. All I can think about is in the 200th episode when he goes, it's not a tulpa. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a tulpa. But I wanted to see if that actually was true to what an actual tulpa is. I wanted to make sure that Cass was speaking the truth. And so I did a little deep dive on tulpas and found out that the word tulpa is actually a Tibetan word meaning apparition, emanation, or magical illusion. And it's generally thought to have originated with Tibetan Buddhism, where the idea was that if you give enough thought and focus to an idea or a person or an animal or even an inanimate object, it will actually become a living being capable of feelings and interacting with the world. So you basically will something into existence you're manifesting by meditate just by (laughs) meditating right yeah so there are some people who believe that there are actual visualize visualization techniques that can create tulpas and if you don't believe me i i will post the link to the wiki how that call that is called how to make your own tulpa that offers to show you how to create visualize and interact with your very own tulpa that's terrifying and yeah, quote no thanks <laughs> and quote the only limit is your imagination Ooh, that sounds yeah. so i have terrible. a very overactive imagination. <laughs> yes, yes. I, it was i thought that was it's like literally step by step how to do this i, I no thank you so the idea of the tulpa actually though has evolved from where it originated in tibet it's sort of morphed into this idea that like collective thought necessarily is instead of actual meditation instead of one person literally meditating on this thing it's it's lots of people buying into this idea and that that collective thought can create a tulpa so like i said the first time i kind of encountered this was when watching supernatural and the episode was called hell house and it was about a house that people online were telling stories about they they perpetuated these stories and the collective mind basically manifested a being that went along with those stories and then Sam and Dean killed it because they do that because they're, they're badass. Awesome. <laughs> so in this way, a tulpa becomes more like an urban legend, right? It's not necessarily a meditation, but it's something that's passed on and created from lots and lots of people. So this type of tulpa actually is much more dangerous because it can be latched onto as like real life. And it'll give people an excuse to do things. And this is kind of where I'm going with with Cass and the Dark One. Is that it'll give people an excuse to kind of do whatever the hell they want in the name of that tulpa. So one actual case of this is the Slender Man. And it was created in an online community. And two 12-year-old girls in Waukesha, Wisconsin, stabbed another girl 19 times because they wanted to appease the Slender Man in hopes that he would let them carry out his mission for him. Mm-hmm. So they did all yeah. this in the name of the Slender Man, which was a completely... Also a Supernatural episode. Too. Yes, it is. Yes, it, um, <laughs> but it, wasn't it called like Thin Man or something instead? Yeah, or something like I that. Yeah, so. yeah. But yes, they definitely took that from that as well. So going back then to what Cass says about himself, that he's sort of a tulpa, that the Dark One was, and this is a quote, created in the minds of others and then willed into existence. So... In my opinion, I think the answer to the question of whether the Dark One is actually a tulpa is both yes and no. He really isn't a tulpa in the archaic sense, where he wasn't meditated into existence by one person. But I do think it started out as an idea, sort of part of the pseudo-history of the Ascended, that became somewhat of an urban legend. And then through the collective hive mind, 
of all these dissenters and and the ascended telling stories and so it's it's really like transcended everybody in this world right that the fact that Cass ends up sort of embodying that legend is really more like that he actually becomes the dark one in his mind that's really more self-fulfilling prophecy rather than as Tulpa so I think it's a little bit of both well it plays into his struggle of feeling like a thing and a monster from his captivity right and that dark one persona is almost like one of the few ways that he can reconcile being not in captivity anymore, but not being the same person that he used and to be. And still like being able to kill and yeah. do what he needs to do to carry out his mission. Yeah. yeah. And not be completely overwhelmed. But it's interesting that guilt. it came from other people. It came yeah. from his enemies actually mm-hmm. creating that, that he had to sort of fill that role. Yeah. I don't know. That was a very, something that stood out to me. It's kind of a bummer. I know. I feel bad. I do feel bad for him. Like, cause he really doesn't want to be. No. Called. Like he, yeah. you know, um, everything that he's doing, he's trying to do for the good of everybody to yes. fight against this like evil entity. Right. He's literally trying to stop a war. Yeah. He's trying to save lives, but he has to kill lives to do that. Right. Which just sucks. It's our morally gray. Yep. Our morally gray dude. So that's it for that section. Should we talk about our nerdiest thing of the week? Let's Who wants to go it. first? You can. <laughs> I'll go first. I have three. So one of them is my cousin that I've been telling you guys about. She finally read, she's been reading Akatar. She finally read A Court of Silver Flames ah. and was sending me messages while she was reading. And it was <laughs> super, super great. She was like, I screamed when, uh, the, with the Kelpie, when Nesta gets the, the mask. Mm-hmm. She was like, I screamed. And my husband was like, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm reading my book. Leave me alone. <laughs> she was like, I love Nesta. Cassian is so amazing. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, that is one book in the whole series. I've only read once and it's only because awesome. I knew there was such a big gap and I was going to need yeah. to read it again. But there's so much that like, I don't remember. Cause I really was just there for the good stuff. <laughs> I need to, I don't have to go lot. back. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. But like, and I think I understand why she did all that, but I'm going to definitely have to read <laughs> for the good stuff um, and the I, plot. I know yes. I want to reread. There's too many things that I want to read and reread. My second nerdiest thing is that one of our dear listeners, shout out to Amanda. She just had Amanda. a baby girl and named her Penelope and they're going to call her pop. That's so, That's so cute. cute. I would like to take credit for that because she's been listening to, to the from blood and ash episodes while d- deciding on a name so you're well, welcome she did ask you if, if it was weird and i know said no yeah no i i love it i think it's super at cute. least she didn't name her Feyre. I mean, <laughs> poppy can come from anywhere yeah. amanda you if know? you had wanted to do Feyre, i would have said please don't do that um <laughs> only if we can draw tattoos on her arms <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then my last one is the one i'm most excited about because i think it's really funny so um we're going to some fun event in the fall where we're going to go to a pirate party. And I sent you guys that screenshot um, of well, like, and posted on Instagram. Tell them what, tell them what event the, Oh yeah, we did lit uh, lust in the low country in Charleston in October. It's a romance uh, book convention and there's a pirate themed party. And I sent you guys a screenshot of like, I should buy this for the party. And it was like a sumo, like blow up um, pirate. pirate thing. You got and it so, right. Please no, tell me you got well, it. No, I didn't. I did send it to, to Susie, one of the event creators of the event. And she, I was like, this is pretty funny, right? And she was like, that's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> you should totally do you that. You didn't get it? Well, I thought that it would be really hot. And I didn't no, know. No, they, be... they have blowers. In yeah. Them. They, they, they actually keep well, you very cool. I'm either going to get that or I was thinking about getting a Captain Crunch. <laughs> 
like, like a ship captain, Captain Grudge outfit. See, I'm gonna look like a whore. I am too. Uh, I'm gonna. I have. I bought. I actually. I have it in my Amazon cart right now. I have like knee high brown suede boots. I have like the winch dress. Yeah, that, like the like corset off the kind of arms. See, and then I've got a corset that goes with it, like a brown leather one. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, be a winch. I'm gonna go for like something really funny where everyone else is gonna be like, "What are you like? What the fuck?" <laughs> I'll I feel be like the I only, rubbed off on you. I'll be the only one, right, in something really, really funny. Because Susie was like, my son-in-law would totally want to wear that, but he has to be a sexy pirate. So, <laughs> yeah, does it say it's a sexy pirate? <laughs> there are going to be um, there are going to be book cover models there. So you do you, Wit. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter who's they'll be there. Like, they'll be like, look at that sexy blow up sumo. <laughs> I think it would make. Pirate. I think it would make my uh, husband more comfortable if, if I was in a sumo, sumo blow up yeah, <laughs> blow up costume. <laughs> so anyway, that's my nerdiest thing. I love week. it. Love it. Who's next? Go, man. All right. So mine is, of course, I talk probably every week about how much I love Emily Rath and pucking around. Um, it's definitely my one of my favorite books this year. And I've been toying around with the idea. Like, I've been getting into this cross-stitch, and I've been doing different cross-stitches of, like, things I like, like Veronica Mars. And I did a Gilmore Girls one, and I bought a Buffy Thank one. You. I know. I bought she a Buffy one. for my birthday. And, uh... And I was like, oh, are there any for any of like the books? I was looking for like Akatar ones at first. And I was like, ooh, I wonder if there's any for pucking around. Nobody does those. Like it's all like movie stuff. And there's nobody out there doing bookish cross stitches. So I'm not going to do it. I was going to say, I think you're going to do it. It might them. be me. I don't know. So I decided I took um, a sticker that I'd just gotten from off of Emily's uh, website. And I kind of used it as inspiration. And I downloaded a free program and I made my own little pixel people cross stitch of the pucking around characters and I'm super stoked about it. it it's really I, cute. I'm way too happy about it. I definitely spent like three hours on it when I should have been reading this book. <laughs> and, <laughs> but hey, you were doing something bookish. But yeah. I'm super proud of it and uh, when I finish cross stitching it we'll post it on on the stories. It's really cute. It's very cute. I can't I'm really wait. excited about it. I can't wait for Emily to see it. She's going to be on the podcast soon. Woo-hoo. Yeah. See you guys now. So mine is I went on vacation last week and I took the kids to see the Barbie movie and honestly took my iPad with me to draw because I was like, I'm not going to be into this at because all. She, let, let it be known that she said that she, I asked if we were going to go to it and she's like, I guess I'll go with you all. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I wanted to see what the hype was about and everything. And my iPad was dead when we got there. So I was like, <laughs> so having said that, I thought thoroughly enjoyed this movie i cried more than once in the middle of it there was I've this seen that from yeah, there people. is this monologue by america ferrera about the expectations for women and like what we do to ourselves and the societal pressures and i like broke down Aww. during it because like i it i mean constantly feel that right and then the, the real nerdy part though is that Barbie has these two costumes in the beginning. These the one is a little dress, like it's a gingham dress, and the other one is this like very nineteen fifties bathing suit that almost has like bloomers with it. And within the first twenty minutes of the movie, I had bought patterns for those. <laughs> so I'm gonna make some patterns. Awesome. And I'm talking about like patterns for me, not yeah, no, patterns I, for Barbie. So yeah, I'm, gonna, it's super cute. I'm gonna make that's awesome. I'm really excited That's about it. I love it. So yeah, those are my nerdy. When things I saw it. exactly what it was all about, I knew you would like it. Yeah, it's really good. It's very kitschy and like yeah. funny. And essentially what happens is the guys start 
well, the no guys spoilers. no I'm, no it's not a spoiler but the 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 guys are where the women are mm. in barbie world yeah and yeah so as they should yeah yes I can't wait. She's Molly and I are going to go see it. And he's just Ken. <laughs> he has a shirt on at the end that says, I am Kenneth. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Um, well, that's it for this week. Next week, we'll be talking through the second part of A Soul of Ash and Blood, which will be chapters The Maiden Speaks through present 10. Present X. X, X, X. <laughs> Not yet, unfortunately. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.